Hello, my name is Pedro Carvalho. I'm an assistant CE specialist in feedlot management at UC Davis, and this is our Cattle Call podcast. In our career call of the day, I call Brooke Latak, who is the livestock advisor for UC ANR in Southern California. Brooke shared a lot of things about her career path and things that she does on her current job. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did talking with Brooke. At the end, she left us with a very nice message and a tip on the way that she learned how to look at problems. Stay tuned and enjoy our call. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you, Brooke. To get started, I will ask you really three simple questions that you cannot miss those questions. After that, you can answer whatever you want to. So the first question to our public know who you are, where you came from, and what do you do. So they are very basic, very simple. So I want you to tell your name, where you're coming from, where you're born and also what do you do? Okay, um, so I'm Brooke Latiak. I'm originally from the southern part of Michigan. Um, I moved to the Imperial Valley about three and a half years ago. Um, and that was to do my job, which is uh, be the livestock advisor for the University of California Cooperative Extension, um, serving Imperial, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. So that's that's good, Brooke. So you grew up southern Michigan, a weather very different than the weather <laughs> that we have here in southern California. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely different. Now, like when you're growing up in southern Michigan, now you're working here. Do you remember when did you decide to work in agriculture and how? was that decision? Maybe even to talk about how you decided to work with cattle. Sure. So growing up, um, you know, I've always, we've always had, you know, more of a hobby farm sort of thing, ducks, chickens, and my grandparents had chickens and stuff. And I was the one in the family that that always loved animals. Um, You know, I was that kid. Uh, so when I went to college, I knew I wanted to do something with animals. And I, at first I thought vet, you know, cause that's what a lot of people think is be a vet. Um, but I got to college and I saw in the animal science college was that there were a lot of opportunities with livestock. And I thought, oh, that's wonderful. Like, that's great. So I started taking a lot more livestock centric classes and I realized I love livestock and I love research. So I kind of deviated from my original plan of working as a vet and went more into research. Um, I got a job at the Animal Air Quality Research Facility at Michigan State, which is where I went to college for my bachelor's and master's program. And we worked with all livestock. So we did poultry projects, we did swine projects, and we did uh, cattle projects. And so I kind of got the full range of all the different livestock animals, except for, you know, small ruminants. I didn't do a whole lot with them. But I just realized how much I love working with livestock in a research capacity. So that's kind of what really turned me into more of the livestock side of things. And cattle, uh, like I said, when I started my job at the lab, We did a lot of cattle work, just constant cattle work, working mostly with more of the Angus breed, uh, which is, again, different from here, mostly Holsteins, but grazing and feedlot and stuff like that. So I really, really enjoyed working with the cattle, learning about the cattle, doing research with the cattle. And so that's, I really, I enjoyed that so much. Uh, I decided to go to grad school and that, and that's kind of where that passion came. That's good. So did you have a break between 
finish your undergrad and starting grad school? Is that true? Like you, you were able to work in a lab and how, how was that? Like when you finished undergrad, how was the options? And, and you can even talk a little bit about before when you were deciding to go to college. Was Michigan State your only option or you were thinking about different options? And also after graduating and going to grad school, how was that path? So, um, Go So as far as deciding where I wanted to go to undergrad, I knew I wanted to stay in state and Michigan State is the land grant university for Michigan. They have a great ag program, specifically animal science, a great animal science program, and they have a vet school. So initially when I was thinking about, you know, being a vet, I thought, oh, okay, perfect. They have a vet school. So that was kind of what led me there. And so, like you said, I finished undergrad and I got started on the research side of things a little later. So I didn't start working for my lab until the summer before my senior year. So I didn't have an opportunity to branch out as much as I would have liked. So instead of going straight to grad school, I took one year working full-time in the um, animal air quality research facility, which I thought was wonderful. It gave me an opportunity to learn about the research we were doing, how the lab works. Um, and I got, I start, I learned that lab inside and out things that I never thought I would learn. I got more into the engineering side of things, you know, fixing a lot of our equipment. So it was a really nice uh, opportunity to not have to worry about school and just learn the basics of the research and how we were doing it. So that was, I thought that that one year of just working was really nice because it gave myself a little bit of a mental break while I was still learning, while I was still getting ready for the next step. And I was lucky enough that my boss, uh, my PI, had an opportunity to offer me a position as a grad assistant for my master's program. And it it just kind of all fell together really nicely. Initially, I had thought about going other places, but that didn't really work out. So this just kind of fell together and I ended up staying there for another three-ish years, which it was it was a wonderful opportunity for me. No, that's nice. I, I kind of did the same. I mean, I think when we start college, we are very, very young and, and it's, mm -hmm. it's sometimes we think that we're too mature, but we are actually not. And even now, I, I'm not sure if I, if I am enough, but it was very good for me also. I kind of, and, and people sometimes students they they finish undergrad they, they just want to get started with other things and giving this break and work in the lab and maybe give a step back and gives you time to understand things and you have a different mentality and i i do believe that when you start grad school after that you start with a step further than, than yeah. other students i think that's a very good opportunity uh, i'm sure there is also undergrads who are listening to us now and it would be nice for them to consider doing that i kind of did an internship after finished my undergrad and people are saying oh are you crazy why are you doing another internship and, and those things but i do think that helped me to be where i am today absolutely and i think that's good to tell other people that they may not end up in, in going straight to a job and looking for opportunities inside of the university might be a good possibility, right? Yeah, I, I think that was probably one of the better decisions I made for myself, just giving myself that opportunity, like you said, to grow and have that step forward. So when I started the intensive process of grad school, I wasn't trying to catch up. No, that's 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 really good, Brooke. So you already talk a little bit about your grad, uh, how you started grad school and, and how you, you did that. 
Uh, we are actually going to have a full episode to talk about your, <laughs> your work in grad school, right? And just specifically about that. Tell us a little bit more about your job today and how did you end up doing so and what does a livestock advisor does on a daily basis? What is the, the thing that you like most in your job, your least favorite thing in your job? And also things that helped you to be here today, things that happened. What is your interaction with, with producers? Tell us about more about, about your job. Sure. So as the livestock advisor for the University of California Cooperative Extension, part of my job is applied research, research that we can take directly to our clientele and they can apply it right on their, their operation. And the other part is extension. So obviously when we do that research, we need to get that information out to them or, you know, if they have questions, we have the resources that we can use to help them. And so, you know, I have, I have access to resources. I have access to specialists like you. So if I don't know the answer, I can, you know, email one of our specialists. So it's an it's a nice system to help producers with problems that they're having. And so I've enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, when I was looking for jobs after grad school, most of my background is in livestock production, pretty heavily, you know, nutrition, air quality, stuff like that. So seeing this position that was very heavily animal science related was very was great to me. So I was happy to see this position open up and happy to have been offered the position. So when I came down here, I was able to start my program working with clientele, which part of that clientele are the large feedlot operators, which they've been wonderful. Interacting with them has been really nice. They're very open. We've had a lot of great discussions about issues they're having, but I've also worked with some other clientele, small ruminant operators, and even some with you know, producers who aren't doing livestock, but they're what they're producing is tangentially related to livestock. So, you know, forages, people who are feeding or uh, selling things for people to feed their cattle and stuff like that, industry professionals. So, I've been able to work with a lot of people and I've enjoyed those interactions a great deal. And then, as far as my favorite and my least favorite. My favorite is interacting with everyone. I would I would say uh, being able to learn people's stories, the history, what their operation is doing, and seeing people do it so passionately and seeing such a, a wonderful product come out of all of these operations, I think is a wonderful opportunity. I've enjoyed that a great deal. And being able to help is, is something I'm very thankful for. My least favorite, I'm going to go with the easy one and say COVID here has made things very difficult on the extension side, just trying to make sure we're still available to everyone, even if we can't do it face to face. I mean, that's the easy one. But one thing I maybe wasn't expecting so much from my position was that people can get passionate about what they're doing. So when issues come up and I get a phone call, sometimes people aren't maybe the happiest or maybe they're, you know, at a point where they're very stressed. And so being able to talk with people and work through these issues so that when they're we're done with the conversation, they're in, you know, a happier state of mind or they feel like they're heard or they feel like, you know, that they they have something to go do that could help. I think it makes me feel good being able to help them, but that was not something I was anticipating coming in, coming straight from grad school where that's not something I really dealt with. Yeah, that's that's a, a great point. I mean, it looks like you, you deal a lot with people, right? It's, yes. It's, 
<laughs> How do you feel that you have developed your communication skills? Was there anything that was natural from you? Was that, that was something that you had to develop as you started working? Because I'm asking because I used to joke a lot with friends and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working with animals. That's why I'm studying mm -hmm. animal science. So I... I, I'm not sure. I, I sometimes I'm not good with people, so I, I would rather deal with animals than people. And in fact, we are always dealing with people. And that's why we are doing this podcast, you know, to, to know about people's stories. So how did you develop your communication skills? So that's a that's an excellent point. I was on the same boat as you. I went into animal science because I was like, I'm gonna just deal with animals. I'll never have to talk to anyone. Easy. Yeah. But yeah, that took a whole 180. I work mostly with humans and then occasionally with animals. So learning, I'm naturally a fairly quiet person. You know, I don't talk unless I have something to say. And so I did have to train myself to be a little more proactive and start asking more questions and, and, and develop a way to start these conversations with people because it, you know, I, I would end up just sitting in my office quietly if I didn't reach out and try to have these conversations and, and talk to people. So that was one of the bigger one was just kind of stepping out of my comfort zone and developing relationships and also figuring out how people like to communicate because everyone's very different. Some people like text, some people like email, some people like phone calls. So kind of figuring that out and making a mental note of, okay, this person prefers phone calls, like call them if I'd like to talk to them and uh, making sure that they have the ability to contact me. I think that's been one of the bigger ones, but I'm always trying to get better. I, I've been taking trainings, how to have like crucial conversations, how to have these difficult conversations and how to talk to people who are, you know, emotionally charged and, you know, so that we get things out of the conversation that are productive and helpful. So that's been a, a, a big thing for me. But yeah, like you said, communication is huge. That's good. So and, and how, how does it usually happen? So the producers come and contact you if they have a deal and say, hey, Brooke, can you help me? I'm facing this, this challenge here. Can you help me with it? Can you do that? Is, is that how it's naturally happened? So a little, a little of that. So sometimes it's them contacting me um, or contacting someone they know and them saying, oh, hey, this person can help. Because um, one thing I've learned since being here is that not everyone knows I exist. You know, my position exists yes. for them. And so having someone direct them to me. So that happens some of the time. And other times it is just me saying, oh, I know that there's a feedlot and this is the phone number for the office. I'm just going to call and have a conversation and see what's going on, if they have any issues. And from all of that information, if we're seeing a reoccurring issue, we can do research and help more people figure out something that is collectively an issue. But yeah, it, it's, it's, I get emails from people, I get phone calls from people, but, and then I call them and try to be proactive about it. That's good. And I, I assume if you always, if you don't know something, you will help them to get in touch with, with that other person, right? Exactly. Yep. And so that that's part, I feel like part of my job and part of the job, I a part of the job I enjoy is being able to find resources that other people may not find, whether it's a person, whether it's a place, whether it's a document that'll really help them and, and help solve that problem. I really enjoy that part. That's nice. looks like a very, very fun job. You get to do research and you also get to work on-hand experience and I, I assume you have grown a lot in the past years that you've, you've been working here. Absolutely. Oh, I feel like I'm a different person today than I was three and a half years ago when I started. 
Yeah, it's 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 a different school. We, mm -hmm. we learn a lot, and and we also hope to to help people. That's really good, Brooke. I think was was very nice to know a little bit more about you. How how you end up in in working here? What what the decisions? One thing that I always like to ask people is, I I believe and I assume that throughout this whole process, there were a lot of people who guided you and during your career was there anybody like any time of, of your career that you had a mentor or somebody who helped you and how important was that during your career i always like to talk about my mentors and, and i always like to ask people if if they had that also how important is for young professionals to look for mentors to to help them yeah so my mentors have been pretty key in getting me to where i am today so during grad school my pi was dr wendy powers and she gave me opportunities that were well outside my wheelhouse but being given those opportunities and being encouraged to take on new things i think really broadened my understanding, my methodology, all of that to where I, I felt comfortable doing research and, and working with different weird things that you'd never really think about. And so she was so important in kind of forming my, my basic skills and just research and figuring things out and being creative. And so she was a great mentor that gave me a lot of opportunity. And, and then coming here, I've had quite a few mentors. I, I would say one of my favorite things, I'm gonna, I have a lot of favorite things about this job, but um, another one of my favorite things is the system we work in. There's opportunity for a lot of support and I've received a great deal of support from being here, from our specialist, really helping. Specialists that have been here for over 20 years have been so helpful in helping me figure out how to contact people because I came to a brand new area with I knew no one and no one had been in my position in quite some time. So the contacts were kind of dead there. And so how, how to make contacts, how to deal with kind of stickier situations and the other advisors have been just so helpful when I have a question about, you know, what do I do? I have no idea what I'm doing. What do I do? And that they do not hesitate to come forward and say, oh, this is what I did. Uh, this helped me or, you know, this may help you. But also one of the bigger mentors was Dr. Richard Zinn, who's a professor for UC Davis, who's been here. And I would say just to learn the system here about the history, about how things run and about the science behind all of it, I've learned so much in three and a half years from him. And I, I think I lucked out coming down here where I'm right next door to him and can ask him any question and he's happy to answer it. So my mentor, I, I would say I'm, I'm extremely thankful to my mentors because they helped me get to where I am. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can tell you that we, we kind of share some of our mentors and, and <laughs> it might sound repetitive if I have any friends listening because I always thought how awesome is to work with those people and also people that I've, I've worked before. I mean, I wouldn't be here without, without mentors. So that's a good, a good thing for young people who are listening to us to always try to look for mentors, reach out people who can help them. Uh, and we can only get longer in your career if, if we walk through that with, with other people. But that's good, Brooke. I think we, we, had, we had a good time. Uh, I just want to to go through our last questions to finish, it's kind of a, a quick quiz. It's going to be 
quick questions and, and something to interact with, with our listeners more about you. So during your job, like, and also during grad school, is there any fun fact that you would like to share with us? It can be some like weird request that a producer <laughs> have asked you or something that happened during grad school that you, you always look back and, and laugh about it. And is there any fun fact that you would like to share with us? Sure. So um, like I mentioned, I've been a fairly quiet person and I worked, the lab I worked in, our lab technician was kind of equally quiet. So we were a couple of quiet people who spent a lot of time together. So we, we got fairly close. Um, and my work at the lab dealt a lot with manure. So like <laughs> very comfortable around manure in there. But the way we reacted being such quiet people is, you know, we don't project a lot noise we don't yell you know there's not a lot going on but there have been a couple of times I can remember one time we were mixing swine manure and it was like tons of frozen buckets of manure and my the lab technician said you know it's only going to take a couple hours and we'll be done 10 hours later we're finally wow. finishing up yeah and so it was it was a day and I'm dumping out what we had left because we didn't need it anymore. And all of a sudden I hear her quietly say, do not dump that out. And, but like, it was the tone of her voice. She didn't yell it. Uh -huh. And so I was like, stopped there with this manure ready to dump it out. And so it's just, it was really, it's, It was a really interesting <laughs> lab to work in because, you know, we're working with manure. At one point, we had a sub pump that we were using to pump manure out into barrels. And if you didn't hold the thing right, the manure would just spray everywhere. So I'm very comfortable with manure. And I think that's <laughs> something not Audio maybe sure. normal. Yeah. 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 No, that's 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 nice. That's that's also good for we, we sometimes end up in working uh, with things that are not the most pleasant things to work yeah. with, especially <laughs> in grad school. Yeah, yeah definitely. One, uh, what is your favorite food, Brooke? I bet you, you have been trying a lot of Mexican food recently, but is there any favorite food, something that you like to eat? I have been trying a lot of Mexican food and, you know, the, the authentic stuff too. So it's it's been, that's been fun. But I, I, I would say one of my favorite foods, this was This is a hard one because I like a lot of different foods, but um, I enjoy cheese a great deal. And so I started actually trying to make cheese and stuff like that. And so we'll see where that goes. I'm, I'm just in the beginning and still learning. That's nice. That's cool. So what is, what is your, do you have a favorite artist or something that you liked, uh, your favorite music genres, something that you like to listen? I don't have a specific favorite. Um, I tend to like things with a heavier beat. Like, so when I'm working, I'll listen to something. It helps my brain kind of move at the right pace. So if, if you're going through my music list, you'd hear a lot of like heavy beats might stress some people out, but it helps me think. <laughs> so the last thing that I, that I will ask you, it's, it's something philosophical or, or not. I don't know. It's when you look back to your career uh, and you see yourself as a little kid, even like working with your grandma, those things, even going to grad school, what is, what is something that you, that you look back in time that you would like, that you know today and you would like to know maybe starting college or finishing uh, undergrad? Is there something that you would tell yourself that you think that was was very helpful that you know today that would be very helpful to you. So the one thing I would probably tell myself is to get involved earlier. So I waited I a little late, you know, till I was an upperclassman in undergrad to start getting into the research and stuff. And I think if I had stepped forward and, you know, got out of my comfort zone and got involved a little more earlier, I could have learned a great deal more. And I'm glad I got involved when I did get involved because I learned so much, but I think I would have benefited a great deal from 
doing it earlier. That's that's really good. That's really good to know. A lot of times we think that we are not ready or we mm -hmm. think, oh, that's not my deal. But I do believe that we should be always looking for opportunities since your first day of college, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's good. That's good. Awesome, Brooke. That was that was very very good. Now now we're actually going to finish, and I would like to ask you for our kettle call uh, top tip. That's how I calling this. <laughs> so if you have, is there anything that you would like to share our listeners? Something that you would a book or a movie or something that you would like to recommend our our listeners to go and have a look on it? Sure. When I was in grad school, one of the things I got involved in was systems thinking. So, you know, not thinking linearly where one thing's going to affect the whole thing, but thinking about how everything kind of interacts and stuff like that. And that was a wonderful opportunity. I got to go to the Netherlands and learn more about that, which was, again, great opportunity. Um, but one of the first that's, books that's, I... That's, that's awesome. I didn't know about this, but that's, that's interrupt here. And very <laughs> how, how was this experience for you? Uh, what did you go to do there in Netherlands? So um, there was a, a conference there on systems thinking, and it wasn't just ag-related. The, there were social scientists, there were um, environmental scientists, there were, there were agriculture scientists, there were all different people who were looking at the world's problems, either on like a local level or on a global level, but from the system's perspective. And so it was a smaller conference, but it was wonderful. Like I learned so much, not even just about ag, but how are people solving problems in other places or how are they looking at problems in other places aside from our normal way of thinking. And um, I was able to take a class on modeling, but with the systems dynamics kind of working in there and for, he was a top modeler. So it was an incredible oppor opportunity, but yeah, I, I was so thankful to be able to do that. That's really good. So that's, yeah. good. that's good. So you, is there anything that you do today that you can see from that conference? I said, Oh, that, that's something that I learned there that I always go with it. Um, so yeah, I would, I would just say the way I look at problems is different mm -hmm. because I, I, I sat through so many talks of how people look at a, a local problem and how it's totally different than what you're seeing visually, you mm -hmm. know, what, or what you're experiencing. And so every time I see a problem, I do, I kind of sit back and think, okay, what, what parts are interacting, which parts are not really that important and not really interacting. Is there any sort of delay? And so instead of seeing a problem and just thinking, okay, well, this is causing this problem. I think, okay, what else is at play here? That's that, that And that's something that we see on daily basis in our feedlot, right? Sometimes exactly. we, we are seeing a signal, but there are actually many other factors. We have to go back and, and see what else is interacting with it. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, sometimes doing the one thing you usually do may not solve that problem because you, you may be solving the end play, whereas there might be something upstream that's causing the issue. So it was it was it's a fascinating way to think. Um, and I enjoy I enjoy it a great deal. That's good. That's a great message. I think <laughs> I, I mean, you haven't give us your your top tip, but I think that's <laughs> That's a good message to when we are looking to problems to maybe give a step back and, and see that what we are seeing is it, it, it is a problem, but might have something happening before that that we should be looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so learn so much from that. Yeah. That's good. So let's go ahead finally to our, our <laughs> top tip and, and something that you, that you want to leave our listeners with. 
So um, the reason I brought that up is because one of the first books recommended to me when I was just starting to get into the system dynamics thinking was a book called Thinking in Systems. And it's just a wonderful book to introduce yourself to that way of thinking of, you know, not just the single players, but how those players interact with each other. And it gives a lot of great examples, which helps me because I, I just learn way better from examples but it's it's a book you can get it on amazon um in other bookstores so it is systems thinking in systems thinking in systems okay i will i will see if i can put the link uh in our subscription here so if somebody has an interest and can go ahead and, and look on that okay i think that's it brooke but last but not least part that uh how can we follow your work how can people get in touch with you if they have problems? Social media, blog, website. I mean, we are trying to develop things together here. But is there any way to contact you, uh, your email, things that you would like to share with us? So, yeah, easy way to contact me is always email bclatak at ucanr.edu. And you can find that email and my office phone number at our um, website. If you just Google Imperial County UCCE, that'll pop, it'll be the first thing that pops up. And my name's on there and all my contact information. And if you want to follow me on Instagram or contact me on Instagram, um, my name is uh, just brooklatak, simple. But yeah, those. That's it, the easiest way and the most common way to contact me. Perfect. Yeah. We, as I mentioned, we are trying to develop a <laughs> website and, and create a, a newsletter. I, hopefully you, your contact will be there as well. But that's good, Brooke. Thank you. Thank you very much for this, this call today. It was, was great to know about you, about your career. I think the people who are listening to us, producers, young professionals, students, will, will have you as, as a good example. And next week, we will be talking about specifically your work that you have done during grad school and how can we relate that to Carol, right? Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for having me. That's good. If you liked our podcast, please make sure that you share that with friends, with people that you think that can take advantage of it. If you have comments, suggestions, feedback, please contact me. We have a kettle call, UCD, kettle call with only one L, UCD at gmail.com. And also my uh, personal email is pcarvalho uh, at ucdavis.edu. And I will be more than glad to help and address any comment that you may have. Thank you very much for listening to our Cattle Call podcast. Stay healthy and safe. And, and Brooke, is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a Cattle Call. Thank you very much, Brooke. Thank you. A cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.